0: Polyhedron is a production of Headcanon Games, LLC. Please bookmark Headcanon Games for the latest in Polyhedron news. Polyhedron is sponsored by listeners like yourself. If you would like to become a patron of Polyhedron, please go to patreon.com polyhedron. Now on with your show. Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG related. I am your host Matthew, and as always, I have my two co-hosts here, Ryan.
1: My serotonin levels haven't recovered, so it's going to be
2: a pretty bad show.
0: <laughs> and Scott.
2: Uh, yes, we did fight the dragon, uh, and, and I, I lost. think you lost. I, I don't totally know. I think lost. it was a wash.
0: I, 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 yeah, I call it a tie. That's that's where I'm at right now. And if at best to tie, most <laughs> of the time you lose. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> If you tied, that's kind of a win. Man, you know? listen,
1: I'm just saying, if you have only one mental breakdown during Dragon Con, I
0: guess you're doing
1: okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we, it is after Dragon Con, everyone. Uh, welcome back. Um, as you know, we've been doing lots of fun and interesting things here in the uh, Polyhedron HQ. However, this is not what this episode is about. We'll probably go get our Dragon Con War stories on here in a little while. Mm. Um what this episode, though, is, is something extremely special, and I want to bring someone on right now who's live via Skype in Germany, um, Mr. Ross Watson of Ulysses Spila. Welcome, Ross.
3: Thanks, guys, and I'm really pleased to be on the show.
0: Well, we're glad to have Good you. Good to have you. Ross is here because, well, he has been kind enough to come and talk to us about something really big and huge that was announced just before Gen Con, which is the new Warhammer 40k universe RPG known as Wrath and Glory. Um, Yeah, so Ross, tell us. uh, Actually, let's before we get into the meat of it, because I know I'm super excited. um, Let's (laughs) girding. Yeah, girding. Yeah, my (laughs) loins. Uh, Ross, let's actually, let's get a little background on you because I know our audience wants to know the man behind the curtain, as it were.
3: Ooh, okay. Long question, but, um, or long answer, I should say. <clears throat> it actually started back in the eighties when my dad bought me the Metzner red box set for Dungeons and Dragons. hmm uh, turns out my dad had actually never played the game, but he saw people playing it in college and, you know, I was a kid really interested in fantasy, really interested in you know, sword and sorcery stuff. And he was like, you would probably really like this game. He bought it for me. And yeah, I just was instantly hooked. And, you know, fast forward, several years later, I got, uh, lucky enough to get into the D20 market in 2000. Yeah. And I got started working with a little tiny company. I doubt anybody's ever heard of it called citizen games. Mm. And I was their D20 line editor (laughs) and turned that job into freelancing for Atlas games and, uh, uh, Fantasy Flight Games and a whole bunch of other companies, and eventually got hired to work full time at Games Workshop, uh, doing copywriting. And I was on the U.S. White Dwarf team for a couple of years, and turned that into more freelance writing for different companies. And then I got hired on to Fantasy Flight to run the 40k roleplay line for several years.
4: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: which also got me to touch things like uh, Star Wars: Edge of the Empire, uh, just a ton of great games. And then so. Uh, with, with Fantasy flights, go to the video game industry, did that for a while, still freelancing, worked on stuff like uh, <clears throat> Lankmar for Savage Worlds and uh, <clears throat> Last Parsec for Savage Worlds, a whole bunch of Savage Worlds stuff uh, in the last few years, and then Savage Rifts, of course, a couple years ago. And then most recently I got, uh, touched, I got uh, brought in by Ulysses Spiel, Ulysses North America, to work on Torg Eternity. Yeah. And now... Warhammer forty thousand roleplay, wrath and glory.
0: <laughs> yeah, man, super excited, super awesome for the damn emperor. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Oh, my, I prefer blood for the blood god, but uh, teach their own. Well, okay,
2: you're just a heretic, and we need to throw you out the window. <laughs>
0: Uh, that's the airlock. Excuse me. So obviously, Ross, you've got a hell, one hell of a pedigree as far as your lineage of getting into role-playing games. You've been sort of mired in it for a really long time. What was it like? I, I know you have obviously a lot of loyalty and a lot of experience with uh, Fantasy Flight Games. What was it like to come over to Ulysses Spiele? Um Is it Spiel or Spila? I've heard it pronounced both ways.
3: Yeah, well, it, it, in German, it's uh, Spiele. So yeah, I just call Ulysses North America probably be the best way. To, okay, uh, sure. Save yourself the, the trouble. <laughs> uh, what's it like working for Ulysses? Is well, it, it's pretty great. Uh, the head of the company, Marcus Plots, is a really visionary dude. Um, they're running the Dark Eye over here in Germany, which is like their biggest uh, role-playing game of all time. It's basically their Dutch dragon It's got like thirty years of history behind it. Oh, and
0: looks like we. No. I,
2: I have never heard of that. I have, I have a have wiki
0: to... hole to fall down. Yeah. I, I think we may need to do an episode on that just just dive into that and see what it's like because international role playing is fascinating
1: yeah we're larpers like Boffer larpers like mo- oh, the three of us so obviously when it gets down to that we we know the europeans do it very differently than we do and we we only we only touch on that so much but yeah it's always interesting to know how the other the other side of the world does uh, rolls dice i guess
3: <laughs> yeah absolutely well uh Marcus wanted to get uh, into the role of a publisher, you know, not just sort of uh, distributing games across uh, Germany and, and Europe. Yep. So he, he picked up the license for TORG, for Fading Suns, and for Warhammer 40,000 Roleplay. And ever since, they've been working on some really great products. We had a, a big Kickstarter this year, actually, for TORG Eternity. And, man, that game is amazing. Um, I really can't wait for people to get their eyes on it. and They will uh, probably... Uh, November, I think, is the date for the books to be in store, so mm-hmm. just keep an eye out for that, and, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been great, because the guys here in Germany are not only big fans, but they have a lot of experience doing really high-quality, great-looking books. I mean, if you ever, I mean, just just browse on Drive for RPG, the Dark Eye stuff sometime, and you will see this, you know, really fantastic, uh, characterful, flavorful artwork. Uh, so it's, it's exciting to work with this, this team that's built up uh, with so much talent. That's one of the reasons why I'm here in Germany, like to work directly with this team uh, to produce the game, and it's it's going to be great.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, our, our friend Mike, who uh, who runs our friendly local uh, game and comic store, uh, is just a huge, huge supporter of Torque Eternity. Like he he backed that thing real hard, uh, and like his he's very, very enthusiastic. Yeah, he about even
0: it. had a uh, he brought over one time we were hanging out. He brought over a printed copy, like he'd gotten the PDF, I believe, early from mm-hmm. the Kickstarter, and he went ahead and just. Got it. went to Kinko's and got it all printed out and bound up so that we could start looking at it and it looked very interesting
2: oh yeah that that, cool. that, that sort of reality warping you know paradigm shifting stuff that's very interesting
3: well we couldn't have done it without guys like your friends so thank you very much uh, and I gotta tell you it's weird uh, working on that and Savage Rifts at the same time <laughs> <laughs> Megaverse meets Multiverse and I'm just like ah, I'm not sure which universe I'm in right now uh, <laughs> but
0: anyway. I, I'm somewhere I know I'm yeah. I'm a place well,
3: now I'm in the grim darkness of the far future, and I'm, I'm very comfortable
0: with
1: The here, grimmest so. and darkest <laughs> of far futures.
0: Yeah, yeah and, and there is only war. Such uh, grim, such dark. Wow. <laughs> 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 yeah, so let's dive right in that. Um, there's like a ton of questions we have for you about Wrath and Glory. And. I have watched your Gen Con seminar, and I understand the whole concept of a broad and inclusive rulebook. So uh, we're going to try not to ask too poignant of questions, because I know there's a lot that you probably can't talk about, either because of NDA reasons or because of you just haven't designed it yet. But I, I think we should just get into it. Um, I think the first question, Scott, you had one earlier that I think would be a great one to kick off.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, so Warhammer 40k, uh, both, you know, the tabletop, the, the miniatures game, the, the various products around it, like that obviously has a very big, very, very dedicated fan base, uh, but it's not a universal one. Um, so I guess my, my upfront question is, with this new game uh, based in the 40k universe, what, if anything, are you planning on doing to make that universe and that setting more accessible and more enticing to people who are outside of that fandom?
3: That's a really good question. And one of the things we decided early on is we wanted to have a beginner box for Warhammer, Forticate uh, well Play, Raph and Glory. So we are going to have a beginner box product that is specially designed uh, not only to teach people the system, the brand new system, but also to bring in people who are not really... Uh, devotees shall we say of the lore because this is you know, 30 <laughs> years worth of lore um it's a it's a big universe and a lot going on so we definitely want to reach out to those people and offer them a way in i think beginner box is really going to be our best way to do that it's going to come with some pre-generated characters and an adventure and basically everything you need just to sit down and try it out and get started and see, if you, see what you think um and i think that's really the the way that we can you know offer our hand to sort of Come join us in the grim darkness of the far future. The 41st millennium needs your help.
1: I mean, I'm all for beginner boxes because honestly, like, I'm more familiar with your the friendly neighborhood ripoffs of 40k, i.e., you know Blizzard's products. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know much about 40k other than that one time I tried it, that one time, and it just didn't work out. So, an opportunity where there's a product that I could access, where I could get a little bit of a lore dump and enough to understand how that, you know, how it interacts in the new system. That's always that's always very welcome.
3: That's true. We are also working on. I think this is going to be the first time I've actually talked about this, but we're also working on another. Product that is going to be a, a linked series of adventures that's going to kind of take people into the Imperium of Man, which is one of the core elements of Warhammer 40k, mm-hmm. and show them what that's all about. And uh, this was kind of an idea that I did, got together with Owen Barnes, who's one of my best writers. He's been on every single Warhammer 40k roleplay line. He's worked for Games Workshop. He works there now. He wrote the, the Eldar Codex for 7th edition. This guy is like, you know, very deep in the lore. And, and Owen and I started talking about what we wanted to do with Wrath of Glory. And one of the first things we said was, you know, let's find a way to, you know, other than, you know, we got the beginner box. That's great. But what else can we do to sort of, you know, bring people in and, and, and get them into this thing that we love? And we said, well, what if we had some adventures that take you from, you know, around the different levels of what it's like to live in the Imperium? Yeah. Uh, so that is something we're working on as well.
0: Um, so that actually that brings me sort of in my sort of discussion sort of topic question that I have for you is so we had Dark Heresy. This is the Fantasy Flight version of the Warhammer 40k RPG. Really great game, been around for a while Um, but it had a very specific goal. It was like you were part of the, you were acolytes of the Inquisitor. You had a very specific mission and you had sort of carte blanche to do a lot of stuff that normal citizens of the Imperium wouldn't be able to do so in your mind with Wrath and Glory, what's sort of the hook for the players of Wrath and Glory. What what gets them motivated to doing stuff in this universe other than we're here and we live here and our stuff is here?
3: Absolutely. I see where you're coming from there. And I, I will answer that question. I just want to do a really quick clarification. Um, Dark Heresy specifically uh, was created by Black Industries.
0: Ah, yes, and, you are correct.
3: Uh I just want to make sure credit is given where it's due to Kate Flack, Mike Mason, and Owen Barnes who came up with that in the first
0: place. You are correct. So. I came in much later and that's what I associated yeah. with it. My apologies. Totally,
3: no, it's totally understandable. I just, you know, I got to get that out there because I have that respect for those people. No, but anyway,
0: credit where credit is um, due.
3: <laughs> so your question is, you know, what is the core activity for Raph and The context for who am I, what am I doing and why? Mm-hmm. Right. And co- core activity is something that's really, really important to me. It has been ever since, uh, since I was a kid, really, ever since I started getting into D&D and sort of realizing, how do I get people to play this? Well, an old man in a tavern has a map to a treasure. You know, know, it evolves over time, right? Uh, Robin Laws is the guy who came up with the the terminology core activity, and I love that. Uh, But it's been very important to me uh, ever since then. We, We actually built into Savage Rifts the idea of the Tomorrow Legion as that context, so that Rifts would then have exactly that and for Wrath and Glory, we're, you know, as I've said before, we're aiming for a broad, inclusive book. And that means that the core activity has to be into the—we're uh, we're going to have different ways you can use that in the book. We're going to have a chapter that sort of says, well, if you want to do, you know, a, this type of game, mm-hmm. here's the core activity. Um, and there will be there will be several examples of that. Uh, but Wrath the Glory is, by its very nature, not as laser-focused as Dark Heresy was. But, having said that, we are going to have campaigns that build off of the core product. So, here comes the core book for Wrath and Glory, and maybe your game master is like, you know what would be really cool? We all play Imperial Guardsmen, who are the crew of a Baneblade behind enemy lines, trying to get back to the to the front. Now, that would be a pretty cool game.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And the, and, the,
3: and the book will totally support that. And then we will have a campaign comes out that's like the Imperial Nihilus or the Doom of the Eldar, and that campaign, that specific campaign, will be more focused. It will say... Here is the core activity for this campaign that you can then, you know, jump into and play through as, you know, as that is going to be taking you on its length series of adventures and into uh, the detail of the setting that we're presenting in that specific campaign. So the core book will support a a broad and inclusive approach (laughs) to the core activity. Uh, I know. I'm sorry. It just—it's like it's—it's it's now like It's
0: kind expected. of memefied. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. It, the The moment I the moment I saw the seminar, I was like, "Oh, that's a meme now." That, that that's. Um, <laughs> to, to be very fair, I'm on a Discord server for a lot of Warhammer 40k, uh, RPG fans, and I curated a couple questions from them, and and one of the things that they kept bringing up to me was the broad and (laughs) inclusiveness sort of thing. And I was like, yeah, "Yeah, that just is, I knew that, knew that coming into this uh, interview. And that's why we made sure we tailored the questions to be more open-ended than I think people would want them to be.
1: I mean, my only, my only response to it over and over again was, well, Necrons of all colors, welcome. I mean. uh (laughs) 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 Ryan Joseph Berg, everyone. Yep. (laughs) Yep.
3: I make no judgments as to the lifestyle of your particular dynasty of Necron.
1: <laughs> <laughs> whatever you choose to eat as your life sustenance... Uh, whatever phase of
0: soul sees you the best. Yeah, whatever <laughs> phase
1: of rot you allow yourself to go to.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, so I like the idea of the campaign book sort of bringing this big book into more of a laser focus uh, so that people know what they're doing, the core activity, as you put it. I think that's all very interesting... So let's talk a little bit about the system then. Um, Again, I know you can't answer a lot. You know it's D6-based. What else could you potentially tell us about this system and where it will go? Because that's actually a lot of questions I did get was how are people going to do what they do?
1: Yeah, and and as a sort of a follow-up, I mean, how granular is the system in terms of how much stuff does the player dictate? And I mean – as someone who's been doing this a long time, you—I guess—you know what I mean. Like, is it like player dictated talent, or is it just raw number in a skill set? You know that sort of thing.
4: Ooh,
3: okay. Um, that's a big question. Let me mm. see if I try to break it down. Uh, how do you do things in the game? That's mm. one of the first parts that I parsed out of that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> so uh, we are definitely doing D six dice pools, and. Not a lot more I can really say about that, except our we are working very hard. I've got some some great guys uh, with this project on me. We're running numbers, we're doing probabilities, possibilities, and we're we're setting goals. And some of our goals that we're trying to set, um, you know, involve like how many dice you know should you be rolling in, the, in a particular uh, tier of the game, right? Like we we don't want people to be throwing around thirty five dice because that's Tip, most people typically don't enjoy rolling thirty five. It, it's
1: not great. I have played Exalted. Right.
3: There's a there's a sweet spot for dice pool games, and we're aiming to try and keep as close to that sweet spot as we can. Uh, and there's there's ways we get to, we can get to that. Um, we've been inspired by a lot of other uh, games that have come out lately with some really great, interesting mechanics. Um, and I, I just you know the, the the experience that we're trying to offer here is going to be a different one than. Uh, than dark heresy and its, and its uh, followers did provide. The the dice system is going to uh, is going to kind of facilitate that. That's not to say that you can't you know still play a bunch of inquisitional acolytes who are fearful for their life and, and have to worry about things like corruption. Uh, yeah. But it it does mean that it is going to have a, a different base uh, experience. And I, and I mean I, I guess it's kind of similar. Again, I mean I make a lot of references to things I've done before, but when we did Savage Rifts, there was a very similar thing that happened because there's a certain experience you get when you play Palladium Rifts because of the mechanics. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain experience you get from playing it in Savage World because the the system just sort of supports a slightly different tone, right? It supports mm-hmm. a slightly different experience that you get from what your character can do and what you you know, uh, what mechanics you have to interface with in order to achieve so, yeah, without getting too far down that rabbit hole, I mean, it's it's going to be different. It's going to be fun. It's going to be, in my opinion, faster paced and, and quicker to
0: resolve. Which is really cool. Um, me, We here at Polyhedron are very uh, advocates of the idea of the system helps the story and the story informs the system. Everything sort of works in this nice cyclical nature feedback loop. You guys oh. should definitely get John up.
1: Oh, we'd love your to. mouth to God's ears, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I saw <laughs> I talked about the fiftieth episode being big. We're you know fingers crossed, right? <laughs> well,
3: that's yeah. also one of his principles: is that story and story yeah. and, uh, system are very
0: close. Yeah, to he's it. a luminary of me and Scott's. Like we we really appreciate uh, what he does, and we learn from him uh, so that we can we ourselves can be better game designers.
1: I think he's pretty neat and make fun of Matt and Scott for how much they like him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know, I think that's more Scott, but that's okay.
2: Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's a good guy. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't get to, to meet up with him at Dragon Con, but yes, man, was that busy. Yeah. But anyway, back yeah, to you.
0: Yeah, back, back to the guy who's here via Skype. I definitely agree with the idea that it is going to be a new experience, and I think I will just state this out to the audience that is listening now. This will not be what you remember the Fantasy Flight games to being like. This is going to be different, and I would definitely recommend, take give it a shot, and listen to what it's trying to tell you so that you can have as best and most enjoyable experience as possible because there are the D&D edition wars. There are people like, that's not my D&D or that's not the d and I remember and it's like, that's true, this is a new D&D and if you like the old D&D, feel free to play the old D&D but things move on. That was just I'm me on my soapbox. Yeah, yeah, I'm certainly cool.
3: not sending police to anybody's house to pick up their copies of the old
0: game.
3: <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> if you want to play more dark heresy, you know, by all means, play all, play all the dark
2: heresy you So let's uh, get uh, out of the set- system a little bit. Uh, is there any part of the um, the uh, 40k mythos that you're really eager to tackle?
4: Ooh,
3: um, yes. <laughs> uh, something, okay, so this is a bit of a long uh, thing, but I've always wanted to do more with the Eldar. Uh. Mm-hmm one of the plans we had when I was working at Fantasy Flight Games was we were going to do a core book about Eldar and I had sort of put together some thoughts on what that would look like and uh, eventually that book turned into Black Crusade so we
4: went
3: we <laughs> in, in a different direction obviously but the notes <laughs> I still have from that initial concept it,
0: I have I lots would... of questions here in a little bit because Black Crusade <laughs> is my jam Matthew, but, it's Matthew's favorite uh, it's my favorite but we'll talk it's, about that later
3: it's a great game there's nothing wrong with it but uh, <laughs> my, my initial draft that where that book would have been in the schedule was, was for Eldar, and mm-hmm. and there's just a whole bunch of lore wrapped around the Eldar that is just fascinating to me. There's the the Webway and the Harlequins and the Laughing God and the the Black Library and the Phoenix Lords and the Fallen Phoenix Lords and the Rana Dondra. It just there's like there's all these different things that's going on with them, and um, I'm really one of the things I was really excited about doing with the brand new take on Warhammer uh, 40k roleplay was that we could present a campaign where you play as Eldar doing Eldar things
4: and, and that's
3: really important to me.
0: That's, that's super rad yeah it is because um, in, in the fantasy flight you had the you had the dark Eldar and a l- little bit around the edges you had in the normal Eldar but there was nothing as far as my knowledge goes super exclusive to just the Eldar and dealing with craft worlds and their particular sort of culture and mythos right um, and so being able to actually dive super deep into Eldar territory would be really cool in my mind because it's a place that we have not seen a lot done with.
3: Exactly. And I have got the best guys to do that because I literally have the guys who wrote the Codex writing for me right now, so. <laughs>
0: awesome. Yeah, rock I mean, on, I, man.
3: I, I, we're probably, I mean, I would not be surprised if, uh, if we reached out to Thorpe and said, hey, could you write
2: like a forward or something, you know? <laughs> so. So we're, I, we're
3: really into that.
2: So I've got a really long, involved question here, but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna boil it down to two words: Horace Heresy question mark.
3: <laughs> oh man, dude! I love the Horus Heresy. I love the novels. I love the uh, the fa- the Forge World books for it are just fantastic. Uh, the models are really great. Mm-hmm. There's there's a whole bunch of stuff about that that is amazing. Um, but I'm sure you guys understand that when uh, when Ulysses came to me and said, hey, we want to do you know, 40K roleplay, I was like, cool. But we have to start with 40K. We can't start with 30K. Right.
4: Yeah.
0: You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are some people out there, a lot of fans, they're like, they're really hardcore 40K fans. But they're also beginning sort of, not a division, but a, a subgroup of them that are like, they liked the 30K stuff almost more than they liked the 40K stuff. It's just the nature of where the universe was at that time and the nature of humanity in the Imperium at that time. Because at that point, uh, just before the Horus Heresy, the Emperor was still walking around doing stuff. Like, he was still an active... And the Primarchs were a very active part in how the galaxy sort of became to be.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and trust me, I mean, I would love to do a 30K game, but uh, my focus right now is all about... Forty-first millennium, and that's kind of where we have to stay. Although, like you know, keep an eye open. If, if things go really well with Wrath and Glory, you know, there's anything's possible.
1: I mean, he has to get me on. You know, he has to get people like me on it first, man, before you start throwing the extra lore dumps at me. All right, <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm not ready for the expansion pack yet. You got to even get me on the core set. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's why I'm very hopeful with Wrath and Glory because of of the introductory, sort of wider, broader nature. Because. Dark Heresy was very specific in, as we said, in its core activity. It had a very specific narrative that it generally tried to lend itself to. Whereas Wrath and Glory sounds like it's more of a "What do you guys want to do?" and then wrap a story around that, which is it's really very
3: different. It's a very different approach, mm-hmm. and I've, that's one of the reasons why I was so eager to sign up and get started on it because. Um, the the, the the approach for Dark Heresy and what followed was a you know, narrow but deep slices of the setting. And that was great. I mean, we designed entire sectors of space and and just, you know, uh, created whole bunches of lore and, and explained a lot about what life was like in the Imperium. And that's great, right? That was fantastic. Um, but what it did is it also kind of limited us to a very specific place and time. One of the reasons that it was very difficult to do anything um, with Craftworld Eldar, for example, is because they are... To some extent, you know, geographically limited in, in, in space, they have uh, these big, you know, uh, craft worlds that move relatively slowly, and, and so the uh, the impact of them on these uh, specific places and times was was difficult to to, to integrate, right? Right. Uh, with Wrath and Glory, we have uh, we have I don't want to say more freedom because we had you know there was it's just a different it's a different focus really. Uh, but we have, with a different focus on on Wrath and Glory, we have the ability to sort of pick something uh, that we think is awesome, and then zoom in on that with a magnifying glass and mm-hmm. just get you know really into it. Um, the Imperium Nihilus is going to be our first campaign. And we're taking a, a really close look at the um, the Dark Imperium, the side of the galaxy that's been cut off by the Great Rift after uh, the coming of the Primarchs. So, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to explore there, right? Right. Um, but it's 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 just a different approach, and I think that's. Important to to
0: understand, and and that's also something you brought up. Something very uh, good that we need to clarify uh, for people listening. Um, when we say the 40k universe, we're sp- the 41st millennium is, is this place it takes place in the eighth edition Warhammer. Uh, tabletop setting, as in there's been a great upheaval in the universe Uh, the Eye of Terror that you once knew has basically kind of split open and cut the galaxy in half, more or less and then there's like the uh, Dark Imperium which is where the Wrath and Glory is kind of going to be set in, and I forgot the name of the other side what do they call that?
3: It's basically the Imperium and then the Imperium. Yeah, okay, uh, Yeah. Imperium knows. That may have a a name
4: there for it, I I don't remember, but I, I think that's basically how it works.
0: Yeah, and so, um, and so the, the setting is going to take place in the darker, sort of more ravaged part of it because they are cut off from Terra itself and the bulk of the Imperium proper.
3: Well, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying we're limited to that only. Okay. <laughs> so people don't get the wrong idea that that's all it's ever going to be is you know, that particular part of space. Uh, But it is definitely a part of space that we are deeply interested in and we're going to do a lot of stuff there.
1: Well, you seem Um, to be going with a a toolbox approach more for this core setting, like, you know, what do you want to do? And like, if you want to really focus into that, we will have a product or another line of things that will let you focus in, which I, I think a lot of. Um, you know, a lot of older properties are now moving towards that. Is a we're going to release a thing that is a toolbox for you to make a story in this world. And if you're interested in this, if your players are interested in this, then we have you know products that will further down the line that you hyper focus. And I think that's a really it's a really good way to do it. Yeah, I was
3: I was inspired um, by a lot of different things. One thing that caught my attention is, as being a, a really uh, great example of what you're talking about is Curse of Strahd for D and D fifth edition. Mm-hmm. So it's a really. Kick ass adventure um, campaign. It's quite was, good. Yeah, and and trust me, I have been taking a lot of notes.
1: <laughs> mm, nice, <laughs> right?
3: So, so yeah, that is the kind of thing that that we're aiming for. And and the the first campaign that is called the Imperium Atlas. Now, that specifically will be, uh, you know, ninety nine percent of that will be set in uh, the Dark Imperium. So, mm. that, uh, you know, to make it clear, what we're, what we're talking about that that is true for that specific campaign.
0: Cool. What uh so what are obviously you talked about Eldar, you talked about the Dark Imperium is the campaign books. Uh what about uh and I'm just because it's my it's the thing I'm most interested about. What about Chaos? Obviously that's probably in the distant future, but are you thinking about making a campaign book for cultists and chaos space marines and all that fun stuff?
3: Yes, absolutely. I mean, um I know there's a lot of people out there that love Black Crusade and Definitely want to see more, you know, opportunities to play the other side of the coin, and uh, we are we are we have that on our radar. It is definitely something that will be uh, supported by the core book. Uh, so yes, uh, that is that is definitely something that that we are we are thinking about. Cool.
0: Awesome. So thank you very much. That that, that makes me very happy. I, I did a little dance when you said he, that you were going to have it. It was adorable.
2: <laughs> I, I have I have a very quick question. Okay. If it's painted red, does it go
0: faster? <laughs> If you are at work, yes. <laughs> awesome. Yay. Thank God. Yeah. So we have the tabletop war game, and then we have ourselves the actual RPG that you're designing. Both use D6s, roughly. Um, right. How inspired or how how much is there – well, it won't say that there's like one-to-one compliance between the two, but how much are you taking from the war game and trying to apply it to the uh, tabletop RPG?
3: I think there's things that we can definitely take from it and, and say, this is a good idea. One thing I really like, for example, about 8th edition, Warhammer 40K is the keyword system where you have every unit kind of has an indicator of, you know, what it is or what it belongs to, faction wise. And you can key abilities off of that kind of thing. And I, and I think that's something uh, we're actually kind of working with that right now, uh, trying to see how, how that will play out in, in the system that we're designing. And I think it's going to be—I think it's going to be a good—a uh, good fit. That's something I'm interested in. Um, for example, something that's that was very interesting for me was the uh, Chaos Space Ring Codex came out recently. And for example, Cipher and the Fallen have both the Imperium and the Chaos keyword, mm. right? And just just seeing that on on the on the on the, on the, the stat sheet made me grim, like a like a loon. Um, so that's the kind of thing I think that would be fun to to include on character sheets or monsters or something like it. So a uh, uh, the game master can say, "Okay, so this ability affects, you know, all Astartes. Well, you know, and that might include Heretic Astartes too. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You know, it's. I think. I think it's got a, some, some possibilities certainly for what we're doing. So, yeah, yeah. There's some. Um, there's a little bit of crossover. Obviously, we're not you know doing one to one, but yeah. <laughs>
2: That's that's really interesting, because uh, a little bit of personal history, my first introduction to, to Warhammer uh, in any of its forms was I was invited to play in a Warhammer fantasy role play game, uh, like the old edition, with a job oh. system and all that. And and that was really fun, because like that was my introduction, and a bunch of my friends played the tabletop game, both 40k and fantasy, and it was really weird looking at the role playing system, and you could kind of see the tabletop system, like on the other side of the street, uh, as it were, like in in terms of like compatibility and and similarity. So I always find those sort of like connections and verisimilitude very interesting between the two sides of that divide.
3: Verisimilitude is one of my favorite
0: words.
2: It's a great word. (laughs) mm
0: hmm I always like systems especially when you got sort of you're trying to transpose one thing into another thing. I like that as Scott said the connection between them because you get the idea of oh this comes from a place that I'm familiar with and so if you're familiar with the tabletop war game you'll be a little more familiar it'll be a little more f- easy of entry into the role-playing game because things will look similar to what you're what you're used to whereas in the dark heresy book and the black crusade book and all that you went from a d6 system in the war game to a d100 and that's very different and they did a good job sort of trying to translate generalities there but it's definitely a very different animal when you look when you break it down and look at it
3: well sure yeah that that is that is definitely true but i think um i think there's something you said for like you say having having that you can, you can look at one and see the other and see that they're, they're parallel.
0: Yeah.
2: So um, one of the things about the, uh, the fantasy flight uh, games is, you know, they, they all deal with varying levels of scale. Uh, because, you know, a space marine and, you know, a a, 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 ch- a chump of the Inquisition, these are two very <laughs> different animals. Uh, so how are you approaching that? And that's just a thing that exists in the universe, the scale of power and capacity between the various, you know, humans, quote unquote, uh, not even bringing into to Xenos and chaos and all that stuff. So how, in general, are you approaching that level of scale that exists in the universe that you're dealing with? Right.
3: Being able to have that scale exist is very, very important to me. And this you guys like I'm like every single person I've talked to about the game asked me that question. It's <laughs> really, yeah. really important to you guys too. Uh, so we know we have to get it right. Now, I did deal with something similar to this in South Drifts where you had guys like the Glitter Boy, which is literally the biggest, strongest, toughest, you know, guy on the battlefield, right? Um, and we address that in different ways. We address it with like what kind of role does this guy have? town to talk to people well, the glitter Boy is probably best bet. And we also addressed it with the idea of the number of roles you got in the Hero's Journey, and uh, you know, there were there were other ways to, to address that issue. So I, I've had some experience with that already. Now, that being said, it, we're not taking the same exact approach, like don't look for Hero's Journey roles again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what we are doing, um, we are definitely looking at ways to codify like what level, like what tier of power is a space marine, okay? And then, we're going to have a, one of the sections we're, we're working on right now is, is a game master section that says, you know, the very first thing you need to talk to with your group is, what kind of game do we want to play?
4: Yeah. Do
3: we want to play a game where we're all, you know, chumps uh, of the inquisition, as you hmm. said? Uh, are we all uh, inquisitional acolytes, or are we are we all, you know, veteran space marines, or are we kind of a mixture of all the above? And you got to get an idea of like basically what kind of game you want to play and that will be that will then inform you of what you need to do to get everybody on the same page in terms of their power levels and, and things like that
4: mm-hmm. so yeah
3: we are taking a very close look at this we have uh, some great options on the table if we're running the numbers it's going to be uh it's going to be prominent in the book of how to address this this issue and uh i think i think you guys are going to really like. What we
0: that's actually something that in – I do a lot of online Black Crusade games um, because it's really hard to find, you know, real people to play Black Crusade with on a, on a <laughs> weekly basis. It is. It's a very particular game with a very particular he's
1: – been, He's been trying.
0: I've been trying. <laughs> um, and so one of the first things online besides all the logistics of how we're going to talk to each other and all that is what kind of game are we playing? Um, because it comes down a lot to are we a mixed game? Are we all – um, a Astartes game, are we all Space Marine, Chaos Space Marines, or are we all human? Um, because that has seen through the system out multiple, multiple times through many, many iterations of playing that mixed groups sometimes don't work very well because people start getting slotted in. And so I'm very happy that you're going to be looking at that more in depth, because I think that's something that, as, as you've said, everyone's asked you that question. You'll have to look at it really with a lot of focus uh, so that you can try to please and balance it out because systems need to be balanced because uh, people like like a sense of fairness, as it were.
1: So one of the things that we actually talk about a lot on this podcast is social mechanics. And <laughs> I'm, I actually don't know, like, Warhammer role-playing's history with that sort of system. So I was wondering if you guys are going to have a prominent social mechanic system or a social combat system, or is this going to be more towards skewed towards, you know, traditional, you say what you say, and there might be a role involved with it, but it it doesn't like have any huge effect on what happens on your character sheet.
3: Uh, that's an interesting question. I think, you know, when, when somebody says social systems or social combat, you know, there's usually like they have a idea in their head of what that looks like. And, I find it, a lot of people have very different ideas of what that means, (laughs) so Mm -hmm. um, without getting too in-depth, I think, you know, we are going to have more ways for people who are, uh, well, for example, one of my writers, Wendy, uh, Wendy Wendelin Reichel, um, she loves to play faces, face characters, you know, guys with, you know, high diplomacy, high...
1: I have a type. (laughs) Yeah,
3: she has a type, and and so it's very important for her to be able to play a character like a face. do things and get to feel like they have a meaningful impact, and uh, the fact that she's on my team should tell you something about like that. That's that's important to me too. Um,
1: that's always really good thinking, to
3: hear. We're taking some inspiration from. I, I think the the place I would look if you're if you're curious about some of the ways we might um, we might bring that into the game, I would I would say take a closer look at say Port Eternity, because uh, we are definitely looking at that. We're uh, bringing in some of those aspects.
2: Okay, Ooh, cool.
0: Thank you. Um, go
2: ahead, Scott. Uh, yeah, so um, 40k is, you know, grim and dark and, and, and you know, very, very, you know, a, a hard place to live. Um, so character death, like what, how, how prevalent is that going to be a major fa- facet of the thing or is it going to be more of a traditional focus where you can expect to play a character, you know, consistently throughout a campaign or how, how looming is the specter of death it going to be in, in this?
3: Okay, that's a good question. Um, I am, typically I'm not a proponent of uh, characters dying willy-nilly. Um, I, I think that there should always be a risk of that. I, I, I don't think, like for me, one of the, the big things about um, playing games that have an element of horror, or that have an element of, you know, that, that cosmic sense of dread, part of that comes down to the fact that your character can, in fact, die. Okay. Uh, but I don't feel like it is something that we, you know, overly dwelled on or made um, super common. <laughs> mm. uh, so I, I would say if there's a spectrum, uh, Wrath and Glory is going to lean toward the side of the spectrum where you can't expect you can't expect to play the same character over the majority of the campaign. Awesome. Uh, that being said, you know, if you step in front of a Titan's blast cannon, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know.
4: You, you
1: get what you get well you get you get the you, yeah you get the stupid role you know you, you, you made the stupid role you you, you die it, and that's okay are uh, you
0: sure you want to do that yeah
1: well your gm's like are you sure are you sure i mean okay okay but and you know but i it's always good to hear that because even like in in you know some people really do associate grim darkness with well don't get attached but i we you know we've talked a lot about horror on this podcast and just sort of grim darkness and all that we we've always i come to a general consensus that it's, you know, there are worse things than dying. Like, there are way more interesting things than you're dead. Like, having to deal with trauma, having to deal with loss, having to deal with going slowly insane. Way more interesting of a character arc than, well, you're dead. You know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's sort of where a lot of people have landed on the grimdark meter
0: Yeah, and uh, there's actually a term that has been bandied about. So there's grimdark and there's noble bright. Uh, <laughs> has been tar- Some people are going, th- uh, was it... Uh, uh, grim, they're going like grim bright now, hmm. or yeah, uh, sort as a mismatch of the two of seeing where the new eighth edition setting is going to be. Uh, it's all very fascinating. I just, I just think it's funny that how the player base can well, just, you know, go we nerds,
1: we 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 nerds need to, we need codified stuff. <laughs> we gotta codify things if if anything else,
0: categorize, categorize. So, Russ, uh, before we're actually running uh, up to time, but uh, before you go, before we go, I should say. Where if you played Wrath and Glory and you were sitting down with your friends and somebody was running the game for you? What would you want to play?
3: Right now, if, if I was just going to jump into a game right away, yeah, uh, I would want to play a commissar right now. <laughs> I would totally, I would totally be a commissar. I'd have my chainsword in one hand and my bolt pistol in the other, and a yeah, fancy hat. You know, yeah, totally fancy hat. And I would be, you know, I would be proclaiming, you know, the glory of the emperor as I smote down his foes and and, and intimidated the hell out of anybody who got in my
0: way. Yeah, I think man, it would be wonderful.
1: There will be confirming uh, and denying. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, if people want to reach you, Ross, where can they do that?
3: Okay, so I have my personal site, which is therosswatson.com, and you can look for more about Warhammer 40,000 Wrath and Glory on ulysses-us.com, and that's ulissesu uscom or ulysses-steel.de.com for German guys. And that is where you can find out more about what's going on with
2: me. We will
0: certainly put that information in the show notes so people can just click a link. One hundred percent. Yes. Scott, where can people find you on the Internet?
2: Well, on Twitter, you can find me at Divis And
0: you can
1: find me at Arduous, a, uh, i I've had to say it so many times now, I'm almost forgetting it, what the word is. It's lost meaning. It, yeah, it's that. Oh, God, what's the name of that? Anyway, it's a lelia something. I don't know.
0: Um, you can find me at BioImportance, and you can find the show at Polyhedrin Cast on Twitter. If you got feedback, if you got questions that you'd like us maybe to broach with Ross in the future at some point, make sure you email us at polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Go to iTunes and Stitcher, whatever you're listening. Please, if you really like this show, go and give us a five-star review. Leave us a cool review. We don't have any new ones this week, sadly. Uh, but we need more, and we need you to go out and do that for us.
1: Guys, I don't know how many more important people we can interview. Come on.
0: <laughs> come on. Leave us some five-star reviews. Uh, and if you really enjoyed the show and you really want to give us back and become one of our bosses, go to patreon.com slash polyhedron. Think about kicking a buck or two a month. It'll really help out the show. It'll really show us that you got, we have some support. And there's some ideas. Like last episode, we came up with a new T-shirt idea. I'm sure we'll come up with a couple new ones here uh, coming down the line. Um, but please consider giving some money back, giving some support. Uh, oh, and uh, there are a lot of hurricanes about, so please be safe. Absolutely. Uh, yes,
1: if, 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 if polyhedron's a little, you know late next time. It might be because something terrible happened, but you know, we whatever.
0: We're in Georgia. We should be okay.
2: Well, we're, we're in Atlanta, um, but yeah, I, I'll just make a plea, you know, if, if you're not in an affected area, considering, consider doing something to help those that are.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, they, need mo-
1: they need money more than blankets, I promise. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. uh, Ross, thank you again for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Um, it was uh, a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. And for everyone out there, go where your fun is. Go roll some dice.